am Gregory Hallows, and this is Preserve Halloween Podcast. So, it's almost my birthday, and generally what I do the week of of that day is I get ready for Halloween. Um, my birthday is in August. Some people think that's too soon. Now, it's actually some people think it's too late because Halloween is quickly being established as starting uh, just after July 4th, at least according to the uh, stores, because there's nothing else really to put out in stores after July 4th except Halloween's next. So Halloween starts in July now for some people. Or, I mean, it's all year round or whatever you choose. Just have fun celebrating it. But... What I do the week of my birthday is I start pulling out the uh, decorations that aren't up year-round and start going through my Halloween music because I change up the uh, radio station I run at my house. For us and my family, um, I change up to a pretty much 100% Halloween playlist. And... I'm not as picky, I guess, with Halloween music as I am with Halloween movies. If you know me, I'm very, very adamant about the difference between Halloween movies and horror movies because there's a huge difference. But for Halloween music, it's a little bit more difficult because there's really not a ton of Halloween music. Uh, There's instrumentals, there's stuff from movies, there's groups like Midnight Syndicate, who make music that, you know, literally could be the uh, soundtrack for Halloween because it's atmospheric, it's instrumental, it's really awesome, and they're great guys. Um, But there's very few songs, I think, that are specifically Halloween. So when I create a Halloween playlist, it's Halloween-centric or halloween adjacent or however you want to describe it it's i'm not as nitpicky when it comes to the music because if it's got monster stuff in it or you know i know a lot of i complain about this sometimes it's not really that big of a deal but a lot of these uh magazines someone gets assigned to do a halloween playlist every year and for the most part it's stuff that doesn't really make sense but i mean it's very nitpicky, I guess, for my part. Um, but generally, it's the, you know, Monster Mash is always on there. But then there's songs that I think they just searched certain words. And that's how they came up with the playlist uh, for Halloween. And I like to deep dive, like, 60 stuff, 50 stuff. And I was going through my uh, Halloween and, and monster-related music this week. And I forgot how much I enjoyed reading liner notes. Um, a lot of you don't know what that is. Uh, if you don't have CDs or never really took out the interior uh, paperwork from records. Liner notes were one of those things that could be super involved. Sometimes they were, you know, really huge booklets. Uh, the one that I'm looking at or that's in my hands right now is just a three-page kind of flip-through, but it's filled with really, really cool information. So 
what I decided to do is just read it. Um, I'm going to give credit, of course, to the guy who wrote it. I'm going to plug the uh, CD that it came from. It's a CD that I really, really, really cool. Artwork's cool. It is from Jasmine Records in the UK. Uh, they are at, they're in London. I don't know if they are still there. I'm, I'm assuming so. I just bought this CD last year. But uh, Jasmine Records put out a, a, this CD called Monsters, Vampires, Voodoos, and Spooks. It's 33 slabs of undead rock and roll. And if you are on our social media, you saw a picture of it that I posted this morning. But I started reading this this uh, liner notes, and there it is so interesting to me. So I decided to share it with you guys. I'm just going to read it um, word for word and start taking notes because there is a lot of really, really cool information in this. So... Let's start. Oh, before I start, I want to plug. Uh, I just released the images from year four for the Halloween Preservation Society memberships. You can purchase year threes again. Um, that stuff was out of the inventory for a long time. I was moving into a new warehouse. I'm about to start uh, putting up the shirts and all the other merch, the shirts, the pins, all that stuff. So you'll start slowly seeing... Uh, the inventory on the PreserveHalloween.com uh, website start filling up. A few people have asked me, thank you so much for those of you who kept being persistent with me and asking me about all the merch. It, it is about to be up there. But I'm really happy with the year four uh, selection we have this year. Again, it's $31 for the year. It's just a fun way to celebrate Halloween. I try to pack as much stuff into it as I can and the uh, offerings keep getting better. I'm, I'm really happy with the way it turned out this year and it's really fun uh, figuring out how we want to do it this year. The, um, the artwork, I'm going to include the explanation of the artwork in the package itself, but it comes from an old uh, Halloween catalog. So, here we go. This is uh, the liner notes from Monsters, Vampires, Voodoos, and Spooks. Really, really cool um, compilation on Jasmine Records. America's fascination with monsters and vampires took off in earnest during the early 1930s. Fueled initially by the Todd Browning's Dracula and James Whale's Frankenstein movies, with Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff immediately becoming installed as the first pinups of the genre. Indeed, Karloff's makeup for his celebrated role as Baron Frankenstein's hapless creation in the latter swiftly became the standard look for monsters everywhere. A whole host of sequels, cash-ins, and parodies followed, and after something of a lull in the 1940s, there was a full-blown revival in the 50s, commensurate with advances in filming technology. The 50s also saw the explosion of TV, which put a lot of those old 30s and 40s movies on rotation, concurrent with a massive boom in the sales of comics, many of which dealt with either superheroes, horror, or monsters and their ilk. When rock and roll arrived in the mid-50s, it became abundantly clear that rock and roll, monsters, vampires, and horror in general were simply made for one another. Soon all manner of horror, monster, novelty discs began to appear, often on tiny, mysterious local record labels, some of which even crossed over to become major hits. 
This compilation presents 30-odd such ghoulish goodies ranging from the downright obscure to multi-million sellers and features a couple of perhaps unlikely guest appearances. Jalacy Hawkins from Cleveland, Ohio idolized Paul Robeson and his early ambition was to become an opera singer. But somewhere along the line he got sidetracked and after a brief boxing career he became an R&B singer, reinventing himself as Screamin' Jay Hawkins, a bug-eyed, leopard-skin-clad figure whose theatrical use of the macabre stage props and outrageous lyrics made him the godfather of shock rock. Indeed, Hawkins, a man often described as the Black Vincent Price, genuinely looked as though he might have just stepped from the cast of a Hammer horror movie. The possessor of a truly fearsome voice, his semi-howled musical vignettes of Mau Mau and Voodoo included Little Demon, the oldest track herein, which appeared on the flip side of his celebrated I Put a Spell on You in 1956, and Alligator Wine. The earliest mainstream pop success on this collection is John Zacherly's Bella Lugosi-inspired Dinner with Drac, a bloodthirsty little ditty which stirred up considerable controversy at the time of its release. Nonetheless, propelled by an appearance on American Bandstand, it sailed into the U.S. Top 10 in March 1958. Zacherly, a.k.a. Roland the Cool Ghoul, was a well-known television and radio actor and announcer specializing in the horror genre and a close friend of Bandstand presenter Dick Clark. Another early monster-related hit was Sheb Woolley's million-selling Purple People Eater which confounded all critics by topping the U.S. charts in June 1958. At that time, Woolley was rather better known as Scout Pete Nolan in the Western TV series Rawhide, although he later went on to record a slew of hit records, both under his own name and that of his alter ego, Ben Colder. With its sped-up voices, Purple People Eater had, of course, drawn heavily on an earlier number one novelty success, David Seville's Irrepressible Witch Doctor. This connection was further exploited by the Big Bopper, whose cash-in tribute Purple People Eater Meets Witch Doctor could be found tucked away on the flip side of his calling card, Chantilly Lace, in late 58. Elsewhere, even the mighty Bo Diddley tried to grab a slice of Purple Eater action on the bizarre Bo Meets the Monster, a disc which was popular in Chicago that fall, but just about nowhere else. Also popular in Chicago that year was Carl Bonafed's Rocking Werewolf, a massive local hit which remains an in-demand item among serious rock and roll collectors to this day. Bonafed, a bonafide, see what I did there, Chicago rock and roll celebrity, would go on to manage the Buckinghams and Daughters of Eve, as well as leaving his considerable mark as a promoter, booking agent, radio DJ, and producer. He published his autobiography, Screaming Wild Man in 2016. Equally collectible are Leroy Bowman and the Arrows' echo-laden, piano-driven graveyard and Eddie Thomas Chuglin Frankenstein Rock, a pair of small label rarities which also emanated from Chicago in 58, but registered far fewer sales. Meanwhile, that same year, plenty of horror and or terror records were similarly being cranked out over on the West Coast, which makes sense when you think about it. Hollywood is the capital of movie industry. Long before he went on to become a big shot TV personality and game show host, Burt Convey was a struggling actor singer who had enjoyed a brief moment of glory as the lead vocalist in The Cheers, 
who made the U.S. top 10 with black denim trousers and motorcycle boots in 1955. He was rather less fortunate with a series of solo singles, although the Monster's Hop remains another sought-after collector's item. Local favorites, the Hollywood Flames, had registered a massive R&B pop crossover hit in 1957 with Buzz Buzz Buzz, while the following year they uncharacteristically tried out a spot of ghoulish doo-wop in the shape of Frankenstein's Den, a disc which was sadly never likely to generate much airplay. Another popular local act was Kip Tyler, the former Elwood Western, Westerton Smith, whose She's My Witch has gone on to become one of the most bootlegged 45 of the era. Tyler remains one of rock and roll's nearly men. Virtually everyone he worked with went on to taste national success, but he was never quite able to carve out a hit for himself. But one of the best records to emerge from L.A. during 58 was undoubtedly Johnny, Fuller, Johnny Fuller's original version of Bob Geddon's Haunted House. A huge hit on the West Coast, it narrowly missed out on making the top 100. Jumpin' Gene Simmons would, of course, revive the song in 1964 with spectacular success. A further entirely unrelated Haunted House was recorded by Chris Kevin in 1959. A tasty little rocker, it was tucked away on the flip of Have Gun, Will Travel, a regional hit in Philadelphia and the Mid-Atlantic states, although Kevin remains better known for Everybody Got a Baby But Me, which he recorded a year earlier under his real name, Warren Miller. Another, another repeated title herein is Werewolf, although the Frantic's eerily twangy intro was virtually nothing in common with Carl Bonafed's earlier lycanthropic offering. God, these are tongue twisters, huh? Cut from much the same cloth was Rod Willis's equally twangy, eerie, and completely bonkers, The Cat, a deranged slice of rock and roll which escaped on Bill Lowry's Atlanta-based NRC label in 1959. Every bit as collectible as they are obscure, several of the rock and roll 45s included herein are indeed as rare as hen's teeth and have been regularly bootlegged over the years. Further cases in point being Jackie Morningstar's windswept, bleaky, magnificent, rockin' in the graveyard, and Scotty Stewart's hallucinatory rocker Nightmare. Morningstar, whose real name was Willie Morrell Sr. from Mobile, Alabama, even name-checks both the Purple People Eater and the Witch Doctor in his quest for chart action, while Stewart winds an alternate set of increasingly desperate lyrics to the tune of Fabian's Tiger. Elsewhere, 1959 was indeed shaping up to be another vintage year for monsters, vampires, and the such-like. With sing-along pop fare like Jack and Jim's infectious Midnight Monsters Hop, an unlikely Norman Petty production, Jack Huddle and Jim Robinson were Norva Jack regulars, Buddy Holly no less had played on their previous 45. Bobby Please and the Pleasers, admittedly lightweight, The Monster, an unashamed attempt at the novelty cash-in, and Earl Patterson with the darts out of Memphis with their rather groovy Nightmare Hop. Back in Bella Lugosi parroting territory, Bob McFadden and his sidekick Dor weighed in with a killer single, Frankie and Igor at, rock, at a rock and roll party. And even an LP, Songs Our Mummy Taught Us, which included the flute-propelled jazz noir, I Dig You Baby. McFadden was a well-known singer, actor, mimic, and voiceover artist who lent his dulcet tones to various TV cartoon characters. While Dora was singer Rod McEwen, Dora is actually Rod spelled backwards, so how clever is that? Over in Blighty, the monster horror craze had taken rather less of a hold, although there were a handful of discs which were worthy of mention in dispatches, notably The Lone 45 by Sharky Todd and the Monsters. 
who in reality was Wally White, Wally White and the Vipers. Their horror show was produced by George Martin, no less. But the one English producer who perhaps genuinely connected with the genre was the legendary Joe Meek, whose recording of Till the Following Night by West London's answer to Screaming Jay Hawkins, Screaming Lord Such and the Savages, is acknowledged as one of the standout releases in the RGM catalog and was possibly the closest that his lordship came to getting a hit. A later Meek production, The Surreal, The Spook Walks, was issued posthumously credited to the spooks, although it was very likely recorded by the Moon Trekkers of Night of the Vampire fame. Meanwhile, back in the States, the even more celebrated indie producer Phil Spector turned up on a couple of 1961 Atlantic releases, initially with the Castle Kings on their catchy You Can Get Him Frankenstein, which he also co-wrote, followed by Laverne Baker's utterly splendid Voodoo Voodoo, which appeared on the flip of the even more splendid Hey Memphis. A further unlikely guest appearance featured Scott Engel, later known of course as Scott Walker, back then a teenaged bassist in the Routers, who cut the twangy Dwayne Eddy-like graveyard giggle, disguised as Frankenstein in the Tombstones. Engel co-wrote and arranged this infectious track as well as playing on it. But generally, by the early 60s, there was considerably less musical monster horror around. The pick of the few goodies that turned up was possibly the engaging, if frankly preposterous, I Was a Teenage Monster by the Keystones, which crept out on a tiny New York label. Elsewhere, Jimmy D and the Meteor's derivative, The Monster Hop, is possibly the most obscure waxing on this compilation, seemingly have emanated from Arizona. Mind you, Carlos Casal Jr.'s equally derivative, Don't Meet Mr. Frankenstein, was nearly as obscure, appearing on another minuscule New York label, and with its brief sped-up speech inserts, it sounded very much like a throwback to 1958. However, the disc which dominated the airwaves across fall of 62, topping the U.S. charts for two weeks in October leading up to Halloween, was perhaps the entire genre's finest ever recording. The Mighty Monster Mash by Bobby Boris, Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Keepers. Redo this. Leading up to Halloween was perhaps the entire genre's finest ever recording. The Mighty Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kickers. Like so many great records, it came about largely by accident when actor-singer Bob Pickett was singing with his band. One particular night, he started to perform the recitative passage in the Diamond's Little Darling in a mock Boris Karloff accent, and the audience loved it. Band member Lenny Capizzi suggested they work it up into a proper number, and they were off and running, even adding a further mock Bella Lugosi cameo for a good measure. Released in 1962, August, the disc was an instant smash and repeated the trick worldwide. A million seller many times over has been a hit in both the U.S. and U.K. on numerous occasions, following various reissues and has gone on to establish itself as the ultimate perennial. This uh, liner notes was all written by Groper Oatson. Thank, thank you to him for, uh, for uh, th this insane amount of information. Uh, as someone who just loves to learn, I really, really enjoyed reading these liner notes not so much reading them out loud because I, I messed up a few times but I think you guys got the gist of it so I would love my assignment to you guys I guess is I would love to hear 
what you put on your your playlist for Halloween. And I'm I'm sure a lot of it will be uh, metal music and you know there's a lot of a certain type. It's like horror movies. Uh, horror movies are technically to me not all Halloween movies. And not all Halloween movies are horror movies, which is a misconception. Uh, there are quite a few movies that are Halloween that aren't uh, anything other than comedies or dramas or whatever. So let me know what you guys listen to uh, for Halloween. And I would love to add it to uh, my own radio station and my playlist because I love finding out about new music. Because... No matter long, how long I live on this earth, I will never learn everything I want to learn. So I just will spend as much time as I can trying to learn it all. And I know it's an impossible task, but it's very fun to do. So thank you all uh, again. It's We're gearing up. Halloween season is, is here. Uh, we still have a few months to enjoy it. And then for the majority of uh, the world, it's over. And there's always that letdown, but it's all—it's really fun to get ready for the next year, and we're not even done with this one. So thank you all again, and remember, preserve Halloween.